WSJM News Now. Team coverage from the WSJM Newsroom on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The U.S. House has approved another continuing spending resolution to avoid a government shutdown, and among the 99 representatives to vote no is Congressman Tim Wahlberg. He tells us he does not want a government shutdown, but there have been too many instances of the can getting kicked down the road without the House coming up with a more concrete budget. Wahlberg says President Biden met this week with House Speaker Mike Johnson, indicating some kind of compromise on spending is possible. That was the first time that that had taken place. I think the president sees the need to get this thing moving finally as well. So that was encouraging, but it ultimately didn't end up in a agreed-to package of bills. Wahlberg says that the latest continuing resolution only delays the possibility of a shutdown for about a week. Does he think there will be a shutdown? I think it's possible. I think there are some of my colleagues, I'm not one of them, that would would like to see a shutdown because they think it would bring such intense pressure that we would actually end up getting bills through that would do significant cuts. Wahlberg says he wants spending to be brought back to pre-COVID levels, something he thinks could happen if previous spending agreements were seen through. The Michigan Department of Natural Resources has announced $3.6 million in grants to fight invasive species around the state. The DNR's Joanne Foreman tells us this will mean plenty of activity in southwest Michigan. For example, the Van Buren Conservation District's South by Southwest Sisma is getting $190,000 to look for hydrilla, an invasive plant found in two Berrien Springs ponds last year. We will be supporting a FISMA project where they'll be basically visiting more water bodies in that vicinity to try to see if that plant has made it into any other location. Foreman says the SISMA will also look for kudzu, another invasive plant that's been found in southwest Michigan. If you've ever been down south, you'll see like whole areas of forest along the roadsides just draped in this vine. That's kudzu. It's highly invasive. And a couple of years ago, we were able to identify some sites actually in Michigan. It's very rare in Michigan, but because it is here, we want to deal with those. The Southwest by Southwest SISMA will also get support for continued public education. Foreman says just about every county in Michigan is represented by a SISMA, and at least $70,000 for each was included in the grants announced today. Another priority is preventing the spread of hemlock woolly adelgid along the Lake Michigan shore. It's been found along northern Lake Michigan, but the DNR is keeping an eye on it in case it spreads. The United Way of Southwest Michigan is raising money to support the Dolly Parton Imagination Library in the region. The organization's Jennifer Tomshek tells us the Dolly Parton Imagination Library gives free books to children ages five and under. So, so many kids and families over the years have been a part of this, and we're confident that they're going to want to ensure that this program continues to serve many more children and families in the future. The United Way of Southwest Michigan runs Dolly Parton's Imagination Library in Barry and Cass and Van Buren counties. The cost for United Way to provide this program here is close to $30 per child per year, and currently we have have about 8,000 children enrolled in the program in our three counties, and approximately 1,000 children will be turning five this year and graduating from the program throughout 2024. Tom Shack says throughout March's reading month, the United Way of Southwest Michigan is raising money to continue the program. Its goal is $210,000, and $100,000 has already been raised thanks to donations from the McLaughlin Family Foundation, the DeGroote Family Foundation, and the Berrien County Great Start Collaborative. The United Way is asking those who support giving kids the gift of reading to contribute as well. You can make a donation at uwsm.org. 
With the demolition of the M51 bridge over US-12 now complete, the Michigan Department of Transportation is moving to the next phase of its $27 million project to rebuild the US-12 M51 interchange in Niles. MDOT says this means there will be a traffic shift as work gets underway. Starting on Monday, M51 traffic will be shifted to the east, narrowing from five lanes to three lanes for the rebuilding. Work on M51 will include pavement removals, curb removal, excavation, base replacement, and drainage improvements. The work will continue along the U.S. 12 corridor, removing the pavement and earth embankments along the old road in preparation for the new U.S. 12 M51 intersection. After traffic is shifted, there will be one lane on an M51 in each direction, as well as a center-left turn lane. MDOT says U.S. 12 traffic will continue to use crossovers, temporary ramps, and the signaled intersection at M51 until the project is finished. $87 million in taxes on marijuana is now headed to Michigan communities. 269 municipalities and counties around the state are getting the money. Cannabis Regulatory Agency Director Brian Hanna says marijuana tax revenues are quickly rising. This is a 46% increase in tax revenue for counties and municipalities than from last year. So it really shows how strong and how growing uh, the cannabis industry is in the state of Michigan. Uh, and really, these tax monies are a great benefit to the communities. Uh, the communities can use these for amazing things for the local towns and villages and counties. The school aid fund and the Michigan Transportation Fund are also getting $101 million each. The marijuana money's been big for southwest Michigan. Berrien County just received a payment of $1.1 million. Cass County received $413,000, and Van Buren County received $768,000. As far as municipalities, Benton Harbor received $236,000. Bangor got $118,000. Buchanan was paid $354,000. Niles received $254,000, and Cassopolis got $118,000. Smaller payments of $59,000 were sent to Hartford, Breedsville, Three Oaks, and Dwajak. Berrien County Animal Control has received the donation of a van thanks to the Friends of Berrien County Animal Control. The nonprofit Friends have donated the van to help animal control transport critters to medical appointments, adoption facilities, and other locations. Berrien County Animal Control says in the past it was limited on the number of appointments or animals that could attend events due to limited transportation options. It says the van's already made its first trip to South Bend Animal Resource Center to transfer three bunnies, six cats, and three medium-sized dogs. They also made a trip for spay and neuter appointments with 11 dogs and five cats. Animal Control says those trips previously would have required two drivers and two vehicles, but with the van, everything was much simpler. The Berrien County Board of Commissioners this month officially accepted the van and thanked the friends of Berrien County Animal Control. And the Michigan Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity has announced the recipients of Young Professionals grants totaling $3 million to provide youth and young adults with an introduction to the world of work, including on-site, hybrid, and virtual career exploration and preparation activities. Governor Gretchen Whitmer says the Young Professionals Initiative will provide more career and educational opportunities to young adults. It supports those ages 14 to 24 who face barriers on the path to employment by exposing them to career and educational opportunities like obtaining work experience or earning an in-demand short-term training certificate. Michigan Works of Berrien, Cass, and Van Buren counties is getting $215,000 to run the program here in southwest Michigan. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report.
WSJM News now continues. There's new aid going into Gaza from the United States. There was a new announcement today from President Biden. More from ABC's Karen Travers. President Biden announced that in the coming days, the U.S. will join Jordan and other countries to carry out airdrops of humanitarian aid, food and supplies into Gaza. Aid flowing to Gaza is nowhere nearly enough. Now it's nowhere nearly enough. The president said the U.S. will insist that Israel facilitate more aid trucks and more routes into Gaza. We won't stand by and let until they until we get more aid in there. Karen Travers, ABC News, the White House. The head of a Gaza hospital where some of the wounded from a bloodshed surrounding an aid convoy were taken says more than 80 percent have been struck by gunfire. That suggests heavy shooting by Israeli troops. At least 115 Palestinians were killed and more than 750 others were injured on Thursday when witnesses said troops opened fire as crowds raced to pull goods off of an aid convoy. Israel said many of the dead were trampled in the stampede surrounding the convoy. It said its troops fired at some in the crowd who they believed threatened them. Dr. Mohammed Salha of a hospital in the area says the vast majority of the 176 wounded brought there had been shot. Thousands of people bade farewell today in Moscow to Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny as he was laid to rest after a short church service. Navalny died suddenly and mysteriously in an Arctic prison two weeks ago. His wife and children did not attend the funeral, fearing arrest upon arrival in Russia. Heavy police presence overshadowed the funeral. More from ABC's Patrick Revel. Thousands of people came out to honor Alexei Navalny despite the risks. I mean, late into the night, there were still thousands lining up to pay their respects at his grave in a cemetery in southern Moscow. ABC reporters there said the line stretched easily over two kilometers. They came despite intense security. They chanted Navalny's name and that Putin is a killer and also no to war, meaning the war here in Ukraine. At least 50 people were detained nationwide, but police did not violently disperse the crowds during the day. Texas Governor Greg Abbott says up to 500 structures may have been destroyed by wildfires. The Republican governor cautioned in a news conference today the number of lost properties could rise and that damage assessments are still underway. The Smokehouse Creek Fire, which started Monday's burned about 1,700 square miles of the Texas panhandle and killed two people. It's left behind a charred landscape of scorched prairie, dead cattle, and burned-out homes. The National Weather Service forecast for the weekend warns of strong winds, relatively low humidity, and dry conditions that pose a significant threat to the spread of wildfires in parts of Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and New Mexico. The abortion pill will become more accessible. As ABC's Dave Packer reports, a pair of major pharmacy chains will start dispensing it. Both Walgreens and CVS announcing they'll begin dispensing the abortion pill Mifepristone this month in certain states where it's legal. New FDA rules allowed certified doctors to prescribe mifepristone, but a lack of pharmacies stocking the drug forced doctors to stock it themselves and negotiate cumbersome paperwork. The pharmacy availability could streamline the process for doctors and patients, making medication abortion a more popular alternative, but that's all dependent on a case the Supreme Court is hearing from anti-abortion groups opposing the FDA rules. Dave Packer, ABC News. The recent ruling in Alabama that frozen embryos are legally considered children has created a political firestorm after the the decision halted treatment for many couples trying to have families through fertility treatments. It's also turned the spotlight on the importance of state Supreme Courts, which are poised to play a central role in this year's elections. Decisions by state high courts have become especially critical in the nearly two years since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned a constitutional right to abortion. This year, campaigns for state Supreme Court seats are expected to be among the most expensive and bitterly contested races on the ballot. 
There's been a change in COVID isolation rules from the CDC. More from ABC's Derek Dennis. CDC officials reducing the COVID-positive quarantine time from 10 days down to 5, saying Americans with COVID-19 no longer need to stay in isolation as long as originally thought. Health officials also say sufferers with COVID or other respiratory infections can return to work or other daily activities as long as it's been a day since they had a fever and their symptoms are improving. And speaking of improvements, COVID-19 has dropped from being the nation's third leading cause of death early in the pandemic pandemic to the 10th leading cause of death for Americans last year. Derek Dennis, ABC News. And lawmakers in Arizona have advanced a bill that would give property owners the legal authority to kill migrants who are walking on their property. More from ABC's Alex Stone. It won't become law in Arizona because the state's governor, who is a Democrat, will veto it if it gets to her desk. Support is very much along party lines, but the bill would expand on current Arizona law that allows people to use deadly force against anyone who's illegally in their home if they feel threatened by that person. It would change it to anyone who's on their land without permission. The bill's author has said it's to address migrants crossing over farm and ranch land and comes as an Arizona rancher goes on trial for killing an unarmed migrant on his land. Alex Stone, ABC News.